Service is going to get started in two minutes. Service is going to get started in two minutes. Please find your seat. Service is going to get started in two minutes. Thank you. Sunday morning. I forgot to do November birthdays and anniversaries this morning. So please be sure to be back next Sunday morning so we can recognize all of our November anniversaries and birthdays. And trust me, there's a lot of them. Isn't that right, Miss Eva? <laughs> Isn't that right, Miss White? Miss Malore? Isn't that right? A lot of November birthdays. Okay. All right. I'm going to leave y'all alone. Hey, man. Good afternoon, Central Park Baptist Church. How are we doing this afternoon? We're doing okay? Amen. Uh, for those of you who are able to rise, we'd like for you to join us in singing hymn 468. Hymn 468. Hymn 468. We'll do all verses, and then we'll have a word of prayer. Joy Unspeakable. Hymn 468. Hymn 468. Joy Unspeakable. Sing along. I have found his grace is all complete. He supplieth every need. While I sit and learn at Jesus' feet, I am free, yes, free indeed. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full glory all the half hath never yet been told I have found the pleasure I once craved it is joy and peace within what a wondrous blessing I am saved from the awful gulf of sin it is joy unspeakable and full of glory glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. You're the half I 
Fill your man, uh, bless us, Lord, as you work through him and to us, Lord. I thank you so much for your son that died on the cross to save our souls. Uh, bless us now as we learn. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen.
Bible says every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Amen. Let's all stand and let's turn. What is it? Hymn number 435. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Amen and amen. Hymn 435. Oh, when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal, bright and fair. When the same of earth shall gather over us the other shore, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, oh, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. On that bright and cloudy morning when the dead in Christ shall rise and the glory of his resurrection share. When his chosen ones shall gather to their home beyond the sky and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, oh, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Let us labor. Let us labor for the master from the dawn to setting sun. Let us talk of all his wondrous love and care. Oh, life is over and our work on earth is done. And the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, oh, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Amen. Park Baptist Church afternoon service. We're awful glad that you're here, and you may be seated. Now, I want you to notice something. I want you to all help me. The Bible says to follow our pastor and everything. Is that right? So I want you to start walking like this. <laughs> yes, so we all make our pastor feel at home. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You know, somebody came up to me Wednesday and said, you know, I was wondering two weeks, a week ago, how come it's so quiet in church? And I realized Brother Marco was on vacation. <laughs> well, we're glad that you're here and welcome to our afternoon service. We have a very unique situation here this afternoon. I didn't think about it this morning, but I thought about it this afternoon. We actually have three people who attended Midwestern Baptist College here in the auditorium tonight. That'd be myself, our pastor, and, and whoever you are, uh, brother, brother Harmon, and your wife, four, and Miss Sherry, five. Well, yes. Amen. <laughs> That's amazing. Amen. That's a wonderful thing. And in Midwestern uh, was a tremendous blessing. And of course, Dr. Tom alone was there. And that's what got me thinking about it when you quoted him this morning. And uh, what a, you could, if you sat under Dr. Tom alone, every service was ice cream and cake. That's how it felt. And so it's great to, to see some of our, our fellas still going strong for the Lord after all these years. Amen. And ladies, too. 
<laughs> Don't forget about soul winning Saturday morning, 9.30 in the morning. We'll meet here and we'll go out soul winning. And then after soul winning, we're going to have a work day, amen, a men's work day. We need some work to be done around here and we need your help. It's not anything we can do by ourselves. It's going to take teamwork, amen. And so I'm going to encourage you to come. If you have a chainsaw, bring it, amen. Uh, if you have some rakes, bring them. If, we, if you have some uh, uh, hard rakes, to bring them as well. We need as many tools. If you've got a shovel, bring it. We're going to bury some limping people around here. But, uh, but, so bring it. we just got a lot of work that needs to be done, and we need your help to do that. Amen. And don't forget Monday night at, at uh, 6.45 p.m., according to the bulletin, 6.30, according to preacher, uh, we have men's and ladies' Bible study. So which one's right? 6.45, okay, it's been spoken. Men and ladies Bible study Saturday, Monday night at 6.45, amen? We're glad you're here, and thank you for coming. Amen. Preacher? That'll be 6.30, amen. amen. <laughs> Men, y'all come at 6.30, you remember why? Yeah. Hold the door open yeah. for the ladies while they bring the food in. Amen. 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 So, uh, yeah, so my time was right. My time is for the men, Okay. All right, man, so uh, tomorrow night, be ready to go. Well, um, let's have a good offering, amen? amen. God's good, and uh, appreciate you being back this afternoon. Pray for our folks. We've got several uh, that are not feeling good. I mean, I, was, I counted five families that was out this morning, so uh, pray for them that the Lord will help them get the feeling better and be back. I mean, if Brother Shelton can be sick during the week and be here on Sunday, that's the way it ought to be every time, Amen. You didn't say amen, Brother Shelton. <laughs> anyway, he still didn't say amen, you know. Uh, but anyway, pray for our folks. I, and I do, we miss them. You know, we're going to have a 100% day uh, right after the first of the year just, just to see uh, if we can get everybody here and uh, just see how, what God has done for us over the last several months. And, and I think it would surprise everybody uh, as to the crowd that we could have, not just to have a crowd, not just, you know, not just to count people. I don't want to get in trouble like David did, yeah. uh, but just to see how good God has been to us, amen. Uh, so, but again, pray for all of our folks, all right? How many of you, anybody in there has not signed up for the prick toll director yet? Okay, yeah, yeah, some of y'all are scared, I know, y'all are, y'all are scared. So uh, sign up out here. Just take some time this afternoon to look at that and sign up, all right? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you, God, for our day. Thank you, Lord, again for the message this morning that we heard. I pray, God, that you'd really speak to our hearts. Lord, uh, because I really, Lord, it, it, our giving is a thermometer as to where we are spiritually. And, and so, Lord, I pray that we will allow you to speak to us about that, Lord, today. Thank you, God, for... Our folks that do give and are faithful in their giving, bless them, Lord. And uh, God, I pray you to bless this offering. Lord, bless the gift and the giver. And then, Lord, help us to be good stewards of it, God. And I pray that you'd, uh, Lord, use it for the furtherance of the cause of Christ in this place. And I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have an offering, you...
Amen and amen. We'll have uh, one more hymn, and then uh, after that hymn, please briefly greet each other if you're able to rise. We'd like for you to join us in singing hymn 527, hymn 527. We will attempt to do all verses of this hymn, hymn 527. Hymn 527. Sing along. I'll throw out the lifeline across the dark way. There is a brother whom someone should say. Somebody's brother, oh, who then will dare to throw out the lifeline, his peril to share. Throw out the lifeline, throw out the lifeline, someone is drifting. That's an old one. Okay, good. Well, amen. I, I'm, I, I like that song, but I just I was just curious. So the ones that do have sing out, amen, for and help those that haven't. All right, go ahead, listen. Amen. Verse two. Here we go. I'll throw out the lifeline with that quick and strong. Why do you tarry? Why linger so long? See, he is sinking. Oh, hasten today and out with the lifeboat. Away then away. Throw out the lifeline, throw out the lifeline. Someone is drifting away. Throw out the lifeline, throw out the lifeline. Someone is sinking today. Throw out the lifeline to danger fraught men. Sinking in anguish where you've never been. Winds of temptation and billows of woe will soon hurl them out where the dark waters flow. Throw out the lifeline, throw out the lifeline. Someone is drifting away. Throw out the lifeline, throw out the lifeline. Someone is sinking today. So will the season of rescue be o'er. So will the drift to eternity shore. Haste in, my brother, no time for delay. But throw out the lifeline and save them today. Throw out the lifeline, throw out lifeline. Someone is drifting away. Throw out the lifeline. Throw out the lifeline. Someone is sinking today. Amen. Please briefly greet each other at this time.
that separated me from Christ my Lord. It was so vast the crossing I could never amazing. I only gave him one lesson this afternoon, and man, it's incredible. I appreciate so very much the opportunity to be back with you folks again, and uh, looking forward to it. Uh, my wife and I have been excited about getting over this way, and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's really a, a great privilege and a, a great pleasure for us to be here. Um, if you have your Bible, please open to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 1. And while you are finding your place, 
as Brother Yule said this morning, as the wind was whistling through the trees, amen. Um, how many of you uh, have never heard my testimony before? The last time I was here, I gave my testimony. If you have never heard my testimony, just raise your hand. Just a few. Okay, that's fine. I'll try to, you know, oh, there's some in the back there. Okay, I'll, I'll try to squeeze a little bit in this afternoon in our message. Um, I want to speak on Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and just verse number 11. And I don't want to rain on your parade by preaching on this, and I, I hope it will not discourage you. I really mean it as an encouragement. But if you'll stand, if we can all stand as we read, we're just going to read verse number 11, Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 1 and verse number 11. The Bible says this, There is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. Father, we ask your blessing now as we open the word of uh, life. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would encourage us, Lord, from the, uh, the teaching here of Solomon. And Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would do something very, very special in our midst this evening to encourage us and uh, to help us, Lord, to uh, concentrate, Lord, on what truly is most important in life. Father, I ask you to speak to every heart, address the need this afternoon uh, in, in every life, in every heart. Lord, you know us. You know what we need. We ask you to do what only you can, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes is the musings of King Solomon the wisest and richest man to have ever lived, and the son of the great King David. In this book, we get to see very clearly that King Solomon was a normal man prone to the highs and lows of life, just as we all are today. And uh, we see in the book of Ecclesiastes with Solomon uh, that he is happy, that he is sad, and uh, sometimes he even gets discouraged. And I think we've all been there. Amen. Uh, Solomon was in every respect a man with the same emotions as each and every one of us. Now the main theme of the book of Ecclesiastes is that everything we do is vanity. We see that theme expressed throughout the entire book of Ecclesiastes, all is vanity, vanity and vexation of spirit. And what that means is that all that we do from an earthly and human perspective is futile. It is empty and it is short-lived. And here in verse 11 of chapter 1, Solomon is considering the vanity of life. That's how he begins the book. All is vanity and vexation of spirit. And so Solomon is considering the vanity of life, stating that who we are and what we've accomplished in life, no matter how great, will ultimately be forgotten. Boy, isn't that encouraging. I, you know, I've done a lot of things in life that I, I wish would be forgotten. Amen. 
But you know, we all, I think each and every one of us have that, maybe that bit of pride, that all too uh, human of us uh, idea that we, we want to leave a mark on the world. We want to do something that is not forgotten. But Solomon tells us that no matter who we are, no matter how great or small we may be, no matter how great the things we do are, that ultimately they will be forgotten. And that thought, though it is true, is, uh, is just a little bit discouraging. Now, my wife and I met in Jersey City, New Jersey. Some of you may refer to that as the Holy Land or the <laughs> va vacation capital of America. Amen? We were born and raised in Jersey City and uh, grew up there together. We knew each other as kids. We started dating when I was 15 years old. She often refers to that as the greatest day of her life. Amen? <laughs> but uh, we knew each other growing up as kids and uh, you know, hung out together, uh, got involved in everything that was the 1970s of you know, the party lifestyle, and we were you know, uh, taking drugs and uh, drinking, you know, at every opportunity. Started selling marijuana when I was just, I guess, about 15, 16 years old. And um, uh, got in some trouble doing that. Uh, things started getting a little more dangerous for guys like me. I was just, uh, you know, supplying what I thought was a harmless drug called marijuana to guys in my area that wanted to party and everybody was you know into the party lifestyle at that time it seemed but then things started getting a little more dangerous and uh, I didn't really have any other options and I'd been kicked out of two colleges asked to leave amen you might say and uh, left those two colleges and then joined the United States Air Force and uh, when I got to the Philippines I realized that uh, I could buy large quantities of high-grade marijuana for pennies on the dollar of what we could get back in New Jersey. And so I contacted my cousin who was selling drugs in one part of Jersey City, and I said, hey, I can ship you bunches and bunches of high-grade marijuana. You know, do you want me to send it to you, and how much do you want? He said, send me all you can get your hands on. And so I started dealing with two Filipino drug dealers and uh, started purchasing uh, large quantities of marijuana from them. I was going to stuff it inside wooden statues that the Philippines, that area of the Philippines was known for their wood carvings. So I was going to hollow out large wood carvings and stuff them full of marijuana and ship them to my cousin in New Jersey. And he and I could have made uh, a bunch of money doing that. And in the process of negotiating all that, I met a gentleman on the job named Dominic Tascarella. And Dominic's family uh, was about as messed up even more so than mine. His entire family were involved in uh, Buffalo, New York mafia. They were involved in running brothels and gambling and running numbers and all manner of, of, uh, of wickedness. 
And uh, Dominic's dad was a bank robber and a cocaine dealer. And yet when I met Dominic on the job, I immediately noticed that there was something different about this guy. Uh, the guys on the job told me, stay away from him. He'll make you go to church. And I thought, man, I never met anybody from Buffalo, New York, who wanted to make anybody else go to church. And I just thought it was really weird. And I thought, how's a guy from this kind of background want to make someone go to church? And, uh, and so it, I was kind of curious. And though everybody told me to stay away from Dominic, the more that I uh, was around him, because it actually fell to him to train me in the various sections of the laboratory. And, uh, and so the more that I worked with him, the more he trained me, the more he would share the gospel with me. Amen. And I'd never had anybody share the gospel with me before like that. And uh, Dominic asked me one day uh, where I would go if I died. And I told him, I said, Dominic, I said, I know the way I'm living is wrong. You know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know uh, the way you're living is wrong when it's that wrong. Amen? Right. And, uh, and so I told him, I said, I know the way I'm living is wrong. I said, and I guess if I died, I'd go to hell. Uh, he, and he said to me, oh, you don't have to. Right. And I got to thinking, what do you mean I don't have to? And then he began to share Christ with me. And over the next several months, he began to open his Bible on the job. We'd go have lunch together at the Air Force cafeteria. Our life, my wife and I, our life there in the Philippines had gotten so bad that I didn't have any food in our refrigerator at the house. We had a little apartment off base. And I didn't have any food in our refrigerator. I had a case of San Miguel beer and a gallon jug of water. And I used to have to sneak my wife into the Air Force chow hall so that I could get something for her to eat. And um, I'd go up to the front of the, of the line there and you had to sign in and I'd get the, I'd distract the guy working there and get him in some kind of conversation. And while I was talking with him, my wife would sneak in the outdoor and get into the cafeteria so that she could get something to eat. Our life was a, a real mess. And uh, Dominic continued sharing the gospel with me, invited me to a home Bible study. I'd never been to a home Bible study before. And uh, went to the Bible study and I actually liked it. I thought, these people aren't crazy after all. They're just normal people who like to read the Bible. And when the pastor opened the Bible, he would, he would take a, a section of the Scripture and he would talk about it. He would talk a little bit about the history, about the people involved, about what was going on. And then he would teach a, a, a lesson, you know, something relevant to your life from that portion of Scripture. And I thought as a lost man, I thought that's not a bad thing. You know, this is, a, this is good for people. This is a, a good thing. And so we went to Dominic's home Bible study for probably two or three weeks or so. And then one day he said to me, you ought to come out to our church. I said, I can't go to your church because I'm Catholic and you guys are Baptist. And he said, oh, come on, man, what kind of Catholic are you? You don't even go to Catholic church. I said, well, you got me there. So I went out to their 
little Baptist church, and it was a, it was a real uh, eye-opening experience for me because, you know, Catholic churches are big, beautiful, million-dollar buildings, and this church was really a, kind of a dumpy church. It, uh, it was somebody's house that they'd knocked the wall out. It had ceiling fans that made all kinds of noise. They looked like airplane propellers that someone had attached to the ceiling. Wires were running everywhere. The piano sounded like, you know, it had seen better days. And, uh, and you know, it just wasn't what we were used to. And then the preacher got up and he preached 90 minutes on hell. And Dominic told me later, he said, I thought after that sermon we'd never see you again. But my wife and I sat on the front row of that church and we ate up everything that that preacher said. And that missionary preached on hell and I, I looked at my wife and my wife looked up at me and we knew this is what we need. We need to be saved. But when they gave the invitation, you know, we weren't used to doing an invitation. You didn't go forward in Catholic Church to, to do anything. And, uh, and so we didn't go forward. But afterwards, I went to the preacher and I said, hey, I've got some questions. Would you come by my home and talk to me? And just a few days later, November 14, 1984, uh, two American missionaries came by our home and led my wife and I to Christ. And God saved our souls, changed our lives. Make a long story short, I became the youth pastor of that little church there. I saw God use me, and I thought, you know, there, there's certainly more to life than just working in the Air Force or working in a hospital laboratory as a laboratory technologist. And so I went to the old-fashioned altar one evening, and I said, Lord, uh, I have no abilities, I have no talents, but if you want me to serve you, then that's what I want to do. And shortly thereafter, God called me to preach, we went off to Midwestern Baptist College where both men and women are allowed to enroll, amen. And, uh, and uh, we, we enrolled in, in college and uh, I wanted to study Bible and missions and Mrs. Malone said, you're going to study education too. And so we did. And then in our final year at Midwestern, God got a hold of my heart and called me to go to mainland communist China. And at that time, you couldn't get into China. Even Dr. Malone sat me down one day and said, Brother Gene, where, what are you going to do when you graduate Bible college? I said, Dr. Malone, I want to be a missionary to communist China. He said, you can't go to China. You can't, mainland China is a closed field. You can't get in. And I said, well, Dr. Malone, if... God wasn't going to open the door. He wouldn't have called me to go there. And uh, that was the last conversation I'd had with Dr. Malone. And several years later, the Lord opened the door for us to go to China. And several years after that, Dr. Malone uh, introduced me at a preacher's fellowship in Ohio as the young man that he told couldn't go to China, but did anyway. Amen. And, uh, but we entered China as English teachers. And then a couple of years later, we started a little pearl business so that we could get a business visa. Having a business visa 
in China is really quite convenient because you can go in and out of the country as often as you want, really with, with very little uh, repercussion from the Chinese government. As a teacher, you can't do that. You have to get special permission to go to Hong Kong. Well, we were smuggling Bibles three, four, five times a day. I could have never done that with a teaching visa, but with a business visa, we could go in and out of China smuggling Bibles as we've done these many, many uh, years now. And, uh, and, you know, when we went to China, I got to tell you, I guess because it goes hand in hand with what Solomon was saying here, when, when I went to China, I, I wanted to do something that, 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 that folks would remember. I wanted to do something maybe that nobody else wanted to do. You know, we were in Bible college for four years. I didn't meet anybody wanting to go to communist China. And, and so I thought, well, if nobody else wants to go there, then, then pr praise the Lord. We'll go there and we'll get something done. But I, in the back of my mind, I wanted to do something that man wouldn't forget. You know, we've started now 19 underground churches in China. Amen. We have an underground Bible institute that's trained over 100 men and women and sent them out to serve the Lord among their own people. We have an underground Christian school that's in its 14th year of existence. We've smuggled over 575,000 Bibles into Amen. mainland China and put them into the hands of the Chinese people. When God opens a door... For us to go back to China, we're going to go back to China and we're going to start our 20th underground church. And Lord willing, we'll be able to live out the remainder of our days in China, starting underground churches, training Chinese pastors, smuggling Bibles, and starting Christian schools. It's all that we want to do. And I wish that it would be remembered. But Solomon said in verse 11, There is no remembrance of former things. Neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. Man is going to forget you. This earth is going to forget you. But brethren, you and I are going to a place where all that we have done, even the tears that we've cried, will be remembered. We all want to be remembered. We would all like to accomplish great things that won't be forgotten. The truth is, though, that as time marches on and we get further and further from our existence, our person and our accomplishments fade into forgetfulness. Solomon tried to come to grips with this in verse 11 of chapter 1. There is no remembrance of former things. In other words, you and I, all of us, and our deeds, no matter how great, will be forgotten. You can see why Solomon, the richest and wisest man in the world, might have been discouraged by this. Number one, we will be forgotten. The people we are, 
will be forgotten. You will one day be completely forgotten. Nobody will recognize your name or your face. You will be forgotten. The world will forget you. Society will forget most of us just minutes after we die. Society doesn't recognize most of us already while we're still alive. You're a very intelligent person, a genius, they'll forget. You're a very funny person, they'll forget. You're very handsome or very beautiful, they'll forget. You're a very talented artist, they'll forget. You're a gifted singer or musician, they'll forget. You're a very kind person, they'll forget that too. You might be an absolute jewel of a person, a very excellent human being, the best worker, the best friend, the best neighbor, but you'll be forgotten. The person you are, no matter how wonderful or wicked, will fade into oblivion and be remembered no more by the world you now live in. Your relatives will forget you. With the passing of time, even your own relatives will forget you. Your children will remember you, but how often will they really think about you? How often do you think about your own parents? Your grandchildren will remember you, but probably not as well as your children do. Your great-grandchildren probably won't remember you very well. They probably won't think of you too often or remember stories of you very frequently. Eventually, you and your wife will become just an old photo on the wall of a house somewhere whose occupants see it but know virtually nothing about the people in that photo and they'll think even less often about them. You ever been to Cracker Barrel? You go in Cracker Barrel and you see those old photos of people, and you think, wow, who is that? No clue. But they had ambitions just like we did. As time slips away, even our own families and relatives will forget us. You know, I know, I know my mom, I know her brothers and sisters, I know all the stories about them, but I don't know very much at all about my mother's mother, even less about my mother's father. Know nothing at all about her grandparents other than that they came over to America from Ireland. Your church will forget you. In America, it is customary for churches to hang photos on the wall of their former pastors. These were men along with their families who sacrificed and suffered to start and build that church. Yet the people in that church today know almost nothing about these men, their families, or what they were like. If the names weren't attached to the photos on the wall, the church people wouldn't even know who they were. 
You know, we must come to grips just as Solomon had to with the idea that we will all one day be forgotten. Remembered no more, we will fade into oblivion to be known, thought about, or loved no more. Our accomplishments will be forgotten just as who we are at heart as people, our gifts, our abilities, our kindnesses, and all that we are to make us who we are will be forgotten. So all that we've done will be forgotten. Let us consider King Solomon for just a moment. What did he accomplish? Well, most people today have no idea. Folks, we, we, we live among a generation of younger people that they don't even know who George Washington is when they're showing a picture. Who's that guy? Some old guy. George Washington. Wow. Who was he? Most Christians today would have to research via a book or internet to find out the accomplishments of Solomon. Because we forget also. We get wrapped up in our own lives. We get busy building our own kingdoms. We give our all to our own selves or our families or our businesses and we don't have time, energy, or desire to think about Solomon or what he did. Well, let me just give you a few things about Solomon. He was the first king to build the temple in Jerusalem. Solomon used his great wisdom to rule Israel. Solomon authored over 3,000 proverbs and 1,000 songs. Solomon penned three books of the Bible. Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and Proverbs. Solomon developed trade routes with other countries that caused Israel to become very wealthy. Solomon set up copper mines in Edom, which caused Israel to prosper. Solomon created peace treaties with other countries by marrying the daughters of the kings of those countries. Solomon built a great army of 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen. Solomon built the king's palace that took 13 years to complete. And under Solomon's rule, Israel became the envy of all the world. People traveled great distances just to see Solomon's Israel. Solomon accomplished great things in his lifetime, but most people today, even among Christians, have forgotten most, if not all, of what he did. If the world can forget King Solomon... Will they not also forget us? How about Cleisthenes? Have you ever heard of him? What did he do, Cleisthenes? Well, he is considered the author of democracy for reforming the constitution of ancient Athens in 508 B.C. How about Edith Wilson? I've heard of her. Have you ever heard of her? Edith Wilson? Well, what did she do? She was the wife of American President Woodrow Wilson. And she stepped into the leadership role of the United States presidency after her husband had a very serious stroke in October of 1919. 
She basically became America's first female president unofficially for two years. Most people didn't know that. Sybil Luddington. You ever heard of Sybil Luddington? Well, have you ever heard of Paul Revere? Paul Revere was an American silversmith who rode his horse all around the American state of Massachusetts to alert the American patriots that the British were arriving by sea. Had he not warned the Americans to get their guns and gather for war, America may never have won her independence from Britain. Well, Sybil Luddington was a 16-year-old girl who rode with Paul Revere but she rode twice as far as Paul Revere. Ever heard of her? Ever heard of Zheng Yisao, also known as Qing Shu? She was the first Chinese female pirate who ran her own fleet of pirate ships in the early 1800s. She is reputed to be the most successful pirate of all time. And you thought the Democratic Party was the most su successful bunch of pirates. Ever heard of Helen Sherman? She was Britain's first female astronaut who, in 1991, spent eight days in space. There are billions of wonderful people who lived and did many, many wonderful things but we don't remember them for who they were or what they did. We've forgotten them. Many of their accomplishments, whether good or bad, were remarkable, but we don't know that because we've forgotten them. We will all fade into oblivion. Who we were and what we did will be forgotten. Forgetfulness is a cycle that just keeps happening. Just as we have forgotten the people of our past, so we will be forgotten by both the people of our present and future. And those who will be born after us are gone. When they're gone, they'll be remembered no more also. So what Solomon is saying in verse 11 is that all people, no matter how good or bad, happy or sad, rich or poor, extraordinary or ordinary, from every country and from every period of time, will all fade into forgetfulness. We will all be forgotten. And that is at the conclusion of life on earth. It doesn't matter how wonderful a person you were. Given enough time, the whole world will forget you. Just as you've forgotten them, they'll forget you. It's a discouraging fact of life, but it is a fact nonetheless. Consider also how quickly we are forgotten. In the realm of time, it doesn't take very long to be completely forgotten. 50 years, 100 years, 200 years. In the scheme of eternity, that's really just a very short period of time. Consider for a moment that in just a generation or two or three, you can be completely unknown, completely forgotten, even by your own family. This is what Solomon found so discouraging and depressing about life. 
And it can be discouraging and depressing to us today if we take our eyes off of God and eternity. So in conclusion, the, feeding, the fleeting fame and remembrance of our time on earth is to be compared to our time in heaven with God where for all eternity, all things will be discovered, they'll be known, and they'll be remembered. And that's what makes being a child of God so very important. You know, if you're not saved, and think about it, that's one of the things that that this discourages and depresses people all around us today because they get it. They understand. They see this. They don't want to be forgotten. That's why they live the way they do to to get as much fame as they can to make their mark on society. They don't want to be forgotten, but they know that they will be. And it's, it's depressing But for you and I who are saved, we don't get depressed by that. Because we say, well, you know what? It doesn't matter what anybody on earth thinks of me. It doesn't matter whether they think about me. What ultimately matters is that I spend my eternity in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ, where for all eternity... All things will be discovered, all things will be known, and all things will be remembered. And in heaven, we will be rewarded for what we've done on this earth. It won't be forgotten. To look at our time on earth and to realize that we will all be forgotten, all we are and all we did will be forgotten, that can be very discouraging. But if we consider that by faith in Christ, We can live in heaven for all eternity where all things will be uncovered, known, remembered. And we don't have to be discouraged or depressed. Through faith in Christ, by receiving Him into our hearts as our Savior, we receive a new perspective on life, on time, and on this idea of remembrance. Instead of being discouraged through faith in Christ, we can be excited and encouraged about what we will experience in eternity when this life is over. Here's what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2.9, But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. Not only is it important to be saved, but brethren, if all we do for Christ is going to be remembered and honored and celebrated for all eternity, then we ought to get busy living for the Lord today. We ought to take our Christian faith seriously. Do something for God. The world may not understand it. They may not like it. They may not care about it. They may not think about it. They may never remember it. But God will. For the child of God who's been saved, we know that we will be forgotten on earth, but we'll know all things when we get to our eternal home in that perfect place that God 
has prepared for us. That is why it is so important, all important, to not live for the things of earth or to be remembered and honored on earth. On earth, you're going to be forgotten. But it's better to live for the glory of God in obedience to Christ so that in heaven for all eternity, you will be honored and remembered. Thus said Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. When Solomon came to the end of his life, you know what he concluded? He concluded that it is the whole duty of man to live for the glory and honor of God. And brethren, so it is even today with you and I. This world don't care about God. They don't care about you. They don't care about anything. It's all going to be forgotten. But if we will live for God to bring glory and honor to Him for all eternity, we'll be remembered. That, that's the wonderful thing about being a child of God. Amen. Father, we love you today. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for, for loving us enough to die on Calvary's cross for us. Not just so we could be saved, but in being saved, we could be changed. And we could be used to change this world. And though this world may not appreciate what we do or understand what we do or remember what we do, we know, Lord, that you do. And one day in heaven for all eternity, all we've done will be honored, will be remembered, and we will be rewarded for what we have done for you here on earth. Father, I ask you, burn this message deep in our hearts. Help us not to waste our lives living for things of no eternal value that are going to be forgotten anyway. But help us to live and use our lives to bring glory and honor to you so that when we stand before you and for all eternity, we hear you say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Father, please use us, speak to every heart, whatever the need we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I have everyone stand, please? Heads bowed, eyes closed.